Michelle is a musician with albums released as Everyone Except Me and artist behind the post-apocalyptic webcomic Stray Cats. She's kind, a bit shy, and furiously creative. Henrik is a filmmaker with over two dozen films and TV shows as producer, director, and occasionally host. He also released a couple of music albums. He's bombastic, larger than life, and tenacious almost to a fault. Together, they've been best friends for a decade. This show is awkward. Michelle. Yeah. Uh, I am thrilled to tell you that I got the opportunity to spend more money at the vet because I'm a very fortunate person. Yeah. And I think it's important to spend as much money at the vet as you possibly can. I mean, those people have to make a living too, so. And the good news is it's not hard to constantly spend money at the vet. It's actually very easy to pull that one off. So I know that uh, overall Giggs seems to have a pretty good bill of health considering her face and stuff. I guess. You guess? Does she have a lot of problems you just don't tell me about? Well, I mean, you know, she has arthritis. I need to take her to get her teeth clean because her teeth are really dirty. So that's going to cost a bunch of money. I thought cats didn't need their teeth clean because they eat just meat. I I don't. They def- I definitely didn't say that. Uh, I feel like you said that. No, I've had m- multiple, like every single vet I've ever taken a cat to has been like, oh, do you brush their teeth? And it's like, yes, <laughs> I brush their teeth. That's that's safe. <laughs> you don't brush your cat's teeth? You can't brush a cat's teeth? I think you can brush I'm- your cat's teeth. Have you tried to brush a cat's teeth before? I brushed my, my cat when I was a kid. I brushed his teeth. Really? Uh-huh. Neos. Wow. Yeah, he hated it. It was awesome. I also gave him baths, uh, which he really hated. And I gave them to him too often because I was very young and I didn't know any better. Yeah. So, oh, Ray Cersei. Good to see you, Ray. It's been a while since I've caught you on a live stream. Uh, She said, I feel like my cat would never let me survive that. Yeah, exactly. But Giggs is not, in the traditional sense of evil cat, Giggs is not really that. Yeah, and I agree with you. And, like, I can cut her nails and stuff, and she only looks very sad. But the problem is, because of her mouth injury, she does not like people touching. Like, oh, well, she that, doesn't makes, like, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. I know when she goes to the to the vet, they have a whole lot of trouble, like, opening her mouth because they do. she does not want anybody touching yeah. that. Uh, Ray said, like, uh, like, that sounds like imminent death. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, fair. Um, so do they, is it like getting a dog's teeth cleaned? You just I, put them under anesthesia and clean them up really well? I believe so, yeah. Oh, good. Oh, and Ray, thank you very much. You said congrats on popcorn fodder. I guess we'll mention that for anybody who has not uh, seen the posts and stuff, my movie hosting show, Popcorn Fodder, is now available to stream on Tubi TV, which as we discussed earlier in our uh, live streams, you can find it tubi.tv or tubi.com or tubi.tv.com because they all go to the same place. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and while we're talking about veterinary stuff, I guess we should check the doggo cam. Doggo cam is up and uh, the boy is just taking a nap. Good. So, well, he was not the one who went to the vet, by the way. Uh 
Henwolf needed to go to the vet. I think I've mentioned before, I know I've mentioned to you, Henwolf grows tumors like, I guess it's like her hobby. Mm-hmm, yeah. She loves to have tumors, new tumors, and they've, knocking on wood, they've all been benign on on Henwolf. Now, Chicano had a tumor, and it turned out to be cancerous, but we got it removed, and we're keeping an eye on it and, and all of that. But Henwolf always has these growths. Well, the big thing I, I, I learned from all of these growths is if they're hard, that's bad. Okay. If they're soft and squishy, it means they're probably just full of fat, mm-hmm. which is which would mean it's a fatty tumor, which generally speaking are not an issue as long as they're not somewhere where it causes immobility or pain or discomfort. So I noticed a little tiny growth right where Henwolf's ear meets her 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 noggin. And mm-hmm. I squeezed on it and it felt hard and I was like, uh Oh, so I called the vet, set up the appointment. Now, of course, two days after I schedule the appointment, two days away from the appointment, it becomes much softer and less hard. And I'm like, this has happened. I've taken Henwolf to the vet for a sore neck that was completely healed by the time we got to the vet. Yeah. Of course, these were not veterinary emergencies. They were, these were just veterinary, like, Oh, I better get that looked at. Oh, this seems like it might not be a good thing. It's not like, you know, the time she had an incision and it opened up. I mean, we we were back in the veterinary office like 35 minutes later. That was an right. emergency. But these are not, you know, severe emergencies. But I took her in and had them look at the bump on her head. And good news is they, they lanced it. Well, they accidentally lanced it when they were sticking it to get a sample out of it. Mm-hmm. They took the sample out and found that it while it was not her typical fatty tumor, it was simply a small infected nodule. It was just a, uh, a, no- a little nodule that was full of like dead tissue that had gotten infected. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. He tried to like, you know, pop it a little bit <laughs> and then cleaned it up. And Henwolf was very good. It was clear that it hurt a little bit and she was doing a Aww. very good job standing as still as she could and, you know, and not freaking out. She's very, very good at the vet, by the way. Um, I think I've mentioned that before. She loves going to the vet. Uh, That's one of her favorite things. So that helps a lot. Uh, I I know people have very, very, very bad uh, experiences going to the vet. Uh, My cousin and his wife recently adopted a Husky Malamute mix dog, which they thought was going to be like the dog that kind of brought a calming uh, a calming sense to their home. They wanted to get an older. I don't know why they didn't listen to me. They were like, we're going to get an older dog, an older male dog to be an example for these dogs. And all I could think was like, well, that's not really how dogs like. If you want a dog to teach younger dogs, it should probably be a female mm-hmm. because that's like Henwolf literally trains every dog she meets to behave. <laughs> that's, that's how she is. And she actually helped get those two to be her, their original two dogs to behave. So they end up with this Malamut mix, which Rachel Rodolfi's in the chat, and she can talk a lot about Ash, the Malamut uh, husky mix boy, because she walks him a couple of times a week. And he's a he's a nightmare. He's so energetic and silly. He's a cute dog, though. He's not a bad dog by any stretch. But he when they took him to the vet, their normal vet, he got like really aggressive and mean and I mean, no, he was bad. Like they they just had to leave. Wow. They didn't even get to vet him at all there. And they they actually sent a cake saying, I'm sorry. 
And the funny thing is I told that to my uh, vet's assistant yesterday. I was telling her that story and she was like, that was, was that here? And I was like, no, no, that was somewhere else. Cause they live a little ways away. And she was like, oh, cause we got a cake. Before. <laughs> because uh, so apparently it's not that unusual for them to get a cake. Cause their dog was a shithead. That's so, so I weird. That was, I thought that was pretty cute though. It's like, <laughs> It's like, sorry, my dog was such a jerk. Here's a fucking cake. Wow. Yeah, right? <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was a, a funny uh, incident. Uh, Rachel commented on Facebook and said, she's kind of a celebrity at the vet. It's true. She stomps around and everybody gets to pet her and love on her. Aww. The time before that, when we took her there just to get a booster shot, um, I literally heard them take her back to like stick her. And I heard somebody go, Henwolf, like in the behind the door. Well, Henwolf has a, a certain type of big dog energy that not all dogs have, which is she uh, loves strangers and mm -hmm. new people, and she wants to meet them and get petted by them and, you know, and all of that. So Rachel commenting about Ash, the Malamut Husky mix. He just has a lot of energy, LOL. So, but then my vet, the reason I even brought this up is my vet mentioned something really interesting, which is that his dog cannot go to the vet. That's yeah. weird. I know. That's yeah. He said, "Luckily, I can just vet him at home." Mm -hmm. You know, and if I have to do something we can't do at home, I drug him. <laughs> like, yeah. but yeah, he said his dog cannot handle being at the vet, and meanwhile, he is a vet. So you'd think that like the his dog would be used to the smell and would be like, "Oh, it's just an extension of our house." You'd think. You'd think, but that would suggest that we live in a fair and balanced world. Mm. So today we are not sponsored, but I am drinking clearly Canadian, which you, there's no way you'd ever be able to read that. I can't even see it, honestly. It, that's your fault. It, I just see like a, a blurry thing and then there's like, actually, I can see clearly Canadian. Okay, yeah. good. Because it's clearly Canadian. Um, so I found these at the grocery store a couple of weeks back. And I remember my mother drinking these a lot when I was a kid. And then I never saw them ever. Huh. So I don't know if they like as a brand, if they've like come back or if they never went anywhere and I just was not paying attention, which is possible. Yeah. I've been wrong once before. Um, so, and now I want to know. So do you think I should see what Wikipedia is? Oh, not wiki. How? <laughs> Wikipedia. Yeah, I want to know how ca <laughs> clearly Canadian exists. Clearly Canadian. Oh, oh, not the 1992 single by George Fox. <laughs> okay, let's see. Let me pull this. Let me pull this up. So, wow, it's just small enough. I can't really read it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> clearly Canadian is a brand of premium flavoring in spring water that is produced by the Clearly Canadian Food Beverage Limited out of Canada. The brand was founded in 1987 in British Columbia, Canada. Outside of Canada is well known throughout the United States, parts of Europe, and oh, and Japan. Wow. That's pertinent to your interests. Ya weeb. Oh. So huh. It seems like something happened. Let's see. Uh, clearly, Canadian experienced broad corporate mismanagement during much of the last decade that led to it being acquired by CPG-focused turnaround team in 2012, led by Robert Kahn. 
Large-scale commercial production has resumed again in Canada after a number of limited short production runs during the 2012 through 2014 period. The company's turnaround was precipitated by an online consumer-promoted crowdsourcing campaign that pre-sold Aww. access of 25,000 cases. Rhett and Link, hosts of internet comedy show Good Mythical Morning, played a major role in promoting the campaign, attempting to help bring back the beverage of their childhood. Okay, so it was mostly gone for a while, so my observations were not just simply being, you know, unaware and not paying attention. Well, that's that's good. It's not something that I'm familiar with, so I don't know if it's something that's around here or not. I'll tell you why I like it. I've had two flavors as an adult. When I was a kid, my favorite was cherry. Mm-hmm. As an adult, my favorite is cherry. So, <laughs> but I remember there was a, a there was a strawberry one when I was a kid, which I let mom have because they're gross. Uh, <laughs> but this is a mountain blackberry, and the one thing I like about the flavored clearly Canadians is they're sour. Oh, like, gross! They have like a tart. Well, the sour is not the right word, but they're tart. They're tart like a like what they like a wild cherry or a blackberry would be. And I like tart. I know you don't like sour because you're boring. It's just, it's just so sad. It's such a sad kind of flavor. Sour. Sour Sour is joyous. What are you talking about? No, it's sad. How is that? How is, how is sour sad? It's like, when you get a strawberry and it's not totally ripe yet or it's a bad strawberry and it's sour, it's sad. When I get a strawberry and it's not sour, then I'm like I debate throwing them away. Oh yeah, okay. I want them to be sour. Like that is the only like when I get a blue raspberry anything and it's not the sour form of blue raspberry, I've wasted my money. It's not even a thing. What blue raspberry? Yeah, I mean like it's not a real thing, so it can't you're thinking of the color brown. The color brown doesn't no, exist. No. Blue raspberry does, but the no. color brown. Doesn't. I'm sorry, but these are the facts. Oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, well, I, I am enjoying it. I you'll never drink it because it's kind of expensive. And also, dollar like sixty like for a bottle of it. Also, is it like um like a? I don't even know what it is. Is it like a sparkling flavored water? Okay, yeah, then I also won't drink it because of that. So You don't like sparkling flavored water? No. Why not? Because I don't like the carbonation taste. Uh, you mean like the taste of like when you drink just seltzer? Yeah, like the taste that comes from beverages being carbonated. I don't like that taste. You mean the taste of carbon dioxide inside of the molecules? Yes. But you like you like soda, like like the uh, pop, right? Um, a little sometimes. I mean, I know you're not like me. I'm like, I'm like, like the, the only thing, like if I lost everything in the world today, the only thing I wouldn't be able to let go of is my massive amount of soda consumption. I, I would be like, okay, I got to live in a smaller house. I got to get a car. I'd be like, I ain't giving up my soda. I'm drinking my soda every day. Like, I and I would start talking like that, apparently. I don't yeah. Know. Well, you have to give up your normal accent, too. It's like, sorry, we have to repossess your your, your uh, central Ohio accent. It's like, oh, man, now I don't sound like a newscaster. <laughs> this is the voice I was born with. It was 
a very odd two-year-old dad. dad. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, oh, oh, uh, Keith Tomlin commented in the chat. He said, "You like clearly Canadian, huh? I may have to stop by your local grocery and buy them out." I mean, it seems like it would help the company because they've been really. Uh, They've, man, they have had they have had a hard go. In 1993, their annual sales were over 155 million dollars. Wow! But like, not even 20 years later, they like can barely do anything. Those poor so, guys. Yeah, I feel for them. Yeah, with their gross sodas. So what I was going to say is, it's not a lightly. This is like an older product, mm-hmm. so. Lightly flavored like LaCroix and shit. That was way after this. Okay. So this isn't a lightly fa- flavored like spring water with carbonation. This tastes like a soda. To oh, me. okay. Like That's heavily flavored sparkling beverage. Okay. I mean, because the, the, the carbonation flavor, you know, like if you have enough stuff, you it don't taste up. it anymore. Yeah. I love when people are like, oh, LaCroix is like drinking TV static. I'm like, yeah, it's so good. I love I love that taste of just carbonated water. Gross. One time a buddy and me got bored, so we built our own soda stream for like uh for like uh fourteen dollars. <laughs> we took a we took a bottle with a screw on cap, you know, like a two liter. Mm-hmm. Or it was a one liter, but we took a bottle and we took the cap off and we drilled a hole in it and we put a tem, a stem, a tem, a stem, like a tire stem. Mm-hmm. inside it and sealed it with hot glue okay so it was like stuck in there and and pretty airtight mm-hmm. actually we used a proxy because this was my buddy who knew how to do stuff i do not know how to do stuff but um so we locked it in with the epoxy and then we went out and we bought this little canister thing that you hook a co2 cartridge into like from a paintball gun and it just goes pss, 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 and it's screwed it's meant to help you fill tires so then we hooked okay. the CO2 cartridge into it that he had a bunch of laying around because he used to play uh, paintball. Oh, okay. And the bottle with water sealed it up and just went and literally forced carbon monoxide or carbon dioxide into the water and it made the water bubbly. That's pretty cool. Super cool. I almost guarantee he got that idea from Reddit. I mean, maybe. I mean, I think it's a guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> But it was cool. It was cool. But I don't mind that flavor. But this doesn't really have that. It's it's the the fruit flavor is so strong that you really can't taste that part much at all. Okay. So it's more like you know. I mean, I know you do because you've worked in grocery stores. You know the how grocery stores often have their own brand of like a clear fruit flavored soda. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about like the just the like they usually are in one liter bottles and stuff. Like Meyer has them. And Walmart has them. They're like clearly whatever, you know, and it has a flavor list on it. But it's a clear liquid. That's what uh-huh. these are, but they're fancier. Like they have okay. better they have natural ingredients or whatever. Okay. I used to drink those all the time, though, because they'd be like 70 cents for a whole like liter of like cold, sweet water. That's And it's always zero calorie. Yeah. This is not zero calorie. This is like 140 calories. Oh, so it's like literally a soda. It's 90 calories. It's It's a soda. I mean, yes, it's a serving size one bottle, no fat, no sodium, oddly enough, but 25 grams of sugar. Okay, now I totally understand what's happening. So it's just soda. It's No, it is. It's it's a sparkling water beverage. 
it's soda. It came before the the Lacroix and stuff. Okay. Yeah, but that. That okay, but then that's a that's a completely different thing because those don't have sugar or even any like sugar replacement. They're like gross stuff. <laughs> but this, the reason they call it they they phrase it that way is because it comes from spring water sources in British Columbia, Formosa, Ontario, and other Canadian springs. Okay, I just okay. Oh wow! Look, listen to these ingredients. Uh, carbonated spring water, pure cane sugar, natural vegan flavor. Citric. That's weird because I got the I got the bacon one. So huh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Rachel Rodolfi just commented and said, "Clearly, Canadian is the OG seltzer water." I do think they have a version now that is just the water. I mean, it would just make sense, you know. White people love that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't see it, but oh man, I just hold on. Oh man, look at that! You you might be able to see it. That bottle right there, yeah. where my mouse is. Yeah. Yeah, that was the bottle I remember when I was a kid. Aww. Mom used to. Uh, she would get like a few of them every now and then, and then when I liked them, she'd get a couple more. Okay. You know. So, uh, thanks to uh, my mother mostly raising me on her own, I like lots of stuff that, like, 40-year-olds in the 90s liked. That's, like, you know what I used to love that, like, nobody, like, you know, my age and male likes? TCBY. Do you remember TCBY? Um, like, vaguely. TCB. Now I want to know about TCBY. Uh, cause I, I, the country's best yogurt. That's why I, I was trying to remember what it's called. Oh, for. yogurt. So it was Froyo. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Okay. So oh, here we go. I can read it now, uh, properly. Yeah. The best yogurt is an American chain of frozen yogurt stores. It's one of the largest U S retail retailers of soft serve frozen yogurt. Hmm. And they used a TCBY near, near my house and mom and I used to go there all the time. But like all the commercials for TCBY were all like clearly and obviously geared towards like middle-aged women who want to watch their waistline. But then mm -hmm. I'd be like, "Mom, can we go to TCBY?" And she used to actually be like, "I just want to get ice cream." And I'd be like, "But I want an orange." <laughs> and they had like different flavored sorbet. You had to when you got there, you'd find out like what do they have. Mm -hmm. So I would get there and be like, "Oh man, they didn't have orange sorbet. Orange was my favorite one, and they it's only cool. had it occasionally." So I'd be like, great, I got to slum it with lemon again. Oh, did you? What, well, so is there a favorite treat you had when you were younger that's just not around anymore today? And Michelle's like, I don't have such weaknesses. <laughs> no, like I, I'm like struggling to think of one um, that was around and isn't around anymore. Um. No. I just like too many things that are good and everyone still likes them today. I mean, that's kind of what I was going for. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, really, like, there's just not a lot of stuff that, you know, it's all still there. Um, except for, like, Jello Jigglers that isn't promoted anymore. But well, you can still make Jello Jigglers. Yeah, though. no, but you can't because it's illegal. It is? Yeah. Well, I mean, in, like, New Jersey, it would be. Yeah. 
So we can't do it anymore. Because it's too little water or something. So it's too dangerous. It's too much hooves and uh and uh joint gunk. Mm-hmm. I think jello jigglers were fun. I, I made those when I was a kid. Yeah. I forget how I, do you remember I was on a jello kick for like a week or two there where I just kept making jello and every time I, I remember jello, I just made another tray of jello. Yeah. yeah it turns Lucky. out it's really easy to make. So yeah. I liked making it. It was like, wow, you mean I just have to work at it for like three minutes and then I just put it in the fridge till it's jello? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I got because uh, I got uh cherry starburst jello and it was very, very good. So <sighs> now I'm just hungry. Like, why did it, why did we talk about this? I'm sorry. Wow, Chicano's dug his face into his little blankie. He's cute. He's cute. And I didn't point the camera so you couldn't see how messy my house is. Oh. So, um, oh, uh, Keith just asked, is Royal Crown Soda RC still a thing? Yes. Mm -hmm. In fact... I used to, when I would spend time at the, at a place called chicken or the egg on long beach Island, it's a restaurant. They only serve Royal crown cola from their, uh, fountain drink machine Wow! because they refuse to change anything and they've been serving Royal crown for like 50 years. So yeah, but they'll do like, they'll do like a shot of chocolate or a shot of cherry into your Royal crown soda. Oh. So, and it's funny because in order to keep things consistent, they have a diet Royal crown, but it's diet, right? Cause diet, right. Was Royal crown's original diet, huh. but diet, right. Is not owned by the Royal crown anymore. They sold it off a while back. Cause diet, right. Was technically the first diet soda. In the wow. World. And I used to be a religious follower of diet, right. Until they, uh, they got rid of a bunch of the flavors I liked. Oh, I'm sorry. The cola one was my least favorite, but like they had like black cherry and raspberry. What was that sound? That was me dropping the pen I was playing with. You need a quiet thing. Like I'm, I squeeze on this thing a lot. If I dropped that on my table, it would make a sound too, though. Oh, you dropped it on the table. That makes yeah. sense. That's why it was so loud then. See, I got, I'm bouncing this on my desk. You can't even hear it. Okay, maybe you yeah. can a little bit. <laughs> But no, yeah, so, um, yeah, but RC Cola is still out there and they're pretty good. Mm -hmm. they're, they're pretty good. So I don't know, but I was very surprised. I saw this on the shelf and I was like, why do I remember clearly Canadian? Like, why do I remember it? So I bought one and I tasted it. And I was like, I remember that taste pretty uh -huh. well. So that's good. It's, it is tart though. So what is the most tart you're okay with? I don't know. None. Like I could do orange juice sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes well, orange juice is too tart for you. It, it is. Right? No, it is. <laughs> and I'll just like, I'll drink it, but I'll just like hate it the whole time. I'll just like be wincing at it. Man, nothing makes me happier than when somebody gives me a strong cup of orange juice, just like really sour, oh. tons of pulp. I like I just, pulp. I like the pulp. So, so man that's crazy because like i love tart tart to me tart is like the key element in anything that's enjoyable like if i get candy and i'm and i expect it to be tart and i bite into it and it's not i'm just like oh man oh man you ever have a warhead yeah <laughs> how'd that go you know it was just 
sour. Like I it's not like it's gonna end my world. I just don't see I don't see like the the joy in it at all. And I yeah. It's going getting to go. Mm. What about I mean you like lime like on Mexican food, right? I mean a, a little bit, but not I can't like eat the, the lime or something. You can, but you don't want to. Is is a more accurate way to put it. <laughs> you absolutely are capable of eating the lime, but you would rather not. I mean, it depends on what you mean by can, because there's a court order that says I can't <laughs> eat the lime. Could you could you read the uh the text of it for me, please? No, I'm not allowed to. <laughs> it's a super secret court order. Yes. Well, I have always liked sour food. I did ever tell you the story about the time I ate an entire giant bag of warheads one Friday night while my mom was out. And I think so. I was like I was like maybe 13 or 14. I ate the entire actually it might have been more like 11 or 12, but I ate the entire bag and I just was like playing on AOL. Remember like us playing on like AOL instant messenger and stuff like going into chat rooms and like you know stuff like that. Yeah. And I ate the whole bag. And I think I had eat, well, I didn't eat the whole bag. I ate almost the entire bag. And there may have been two left or something. And I looked at my tongue in the mirror and my tongue was like white uh, in like a big spot in the center. Mm-hmm. And I huffed it, I touched it, and I was like, ah. So I picked at it and the skin came off and left like a dark red, almost bleeding skin underneath it. You want to know what I did next to like, you know, because I'm clearly like I was a gifted child, according to the schools. Uh, I mean, I assume that you put a bandaid on it and you called it a day and you never ate a warhead again. I tried to eat one more warhead Mm -hmm. and then screamed out in pain and realized, okay, I am hurt. And then I was like, this is ridiculous. They should. And there was totally a warning on the back. I looked at the back and I was like. Overconsumption of this candy can lead to temporary damage of the skin of your tongue. Oh my god. So, uh, Raymond Brown commented on Facebook and laughing at your comment about the court order. And then uh, Keith Tomlin commented, non-disclosure lime agreement. <laughs> NDLA. I like that. <laughs> uh, David DeNoyer said, the same thing happened to me with shock tarts. Shock tarts had a really, really sour coating on them. And I could see that if you ate enough of them, it would start to damage your tongue. But I want to I want to point out, this was not minor. I like it was most of my tongue skin came off. Like it was really bad. I watched a video where a guy tried to eat. I think it was a hundred toxic waste, which are even more sour. And my mouth is watering because I wish I had some. But uh, I I oh my god, I watched a video where a guy tried to eat a hundred of them and he was bleeding. Like his mouth was bleeding. <laughs> It's not supposed to do that. Mouths bleed all the time. What they're not supposed. About? They're not supposed to bleed from eating food. That's not. I don't know. What about Captain Crunch? Keith was just commenting on that. I remember eating Captain Crunch until the roof of my mouth was shredded. <laughs> and these flaps of skin were hanging out down inside my mouth. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what happens to me when I eat pizza. But like. That's because you can't wait for it to cool down. You're like, no, exactly. (laughs) I'm too happy about this pizza. I need it to hurt me. Uh, David said that uh, the the shock tarts uh, took off the skin on his cheeks. 
I will say the thing I remember about shock tarts from my childhood is my mother had braces when she was like 45, 46, and mm -hmm. a shock tart ripped a bracket like right off her tooth. Oh my god. You're not supposed to eat stuff that, that that's that chewy and sticky when you have braces. And it yeah, ripped it right off. And then when I had braces, I was not allowed to eat shock tarts because we had household knowledge that it could cause trouble. So uh Rachel Rodolfi said, LOL, I mad my tongue bleed eating too much maple candy. Was it because oh, wait, wow. so Rachel, we're gonna need you to expound. So when you say it was from eating too much maple candy, do you mean because like sucking on the candy made it sharp or something? Because I don't imagine maple candy would have the makeup to like make you bleed from like a chemical reaction, but I could be wrong. So you look way too uh, invested in this, Michelle. Are we talking maple candy like the little bits of sugar? And I don't know. That's what I want to know. Uh, so hopefully Rachel will will get us this cleared up. Okay. Tim Chestnut commented on YouTube, food is supposed to hurt. It's payback. This thing is dead to you. Your pain is just a slight amount of payback. <laughs> That's the way to look at it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Wow. But uh, no, Rachel, what, what, yeah, when you say maple candy what do you mean i think i think it's the little little sugary maple things you know uh see i searched maple candy on wikipedia and all i found was maple taffy which i used to make when i was a kid in new hampshire yeah that sounds good actually have you ever had maple taffy i don't think so you know what it is right uh, um taffy that's maple no no, maple taffy is here. I'll, I'll pull it up. Maple taffy, which we didn't call it maple taffy in New Hampshire, we called it a sugar eat. Um, but uh, it's where you pour a boiling maple syrup uh, mm -hmm. onto snow and then you eat the snow. Oh, oh, that's pretty cool. Have you ever done that? It's fun. No, I have not done that. So when I was a kid, we used to do that on snowy days when I was visiting my dad in New Hampshire. And we would, uh, we would pour, we would take a cookie sheet, fill it with snow, mm -hmm. and then we would do it onto the cookie sheet. We would pour, okay. What you would do is you would pour, uh, the, the really hot maple syrup right on there, and then you would twirl it up on a, on a popsicle stick, lift it up, and you just, mm -hmm. eat it. and, uh, it was really, really, really sweet. So some of the adults would have, um, like, uh, they'd have like saltine crackers that they'd eat right after to try to like, cut the sweet. Cause, if you've if you've ever spent a substantial amount of time and you would know that um in the south it's all lard and butter and in the north it's like all sugar it's like that they're like completely irresponsible with. Mm -hmm. like in the south it's like i cooked this in lard and then fried it in butter and then you get to the north and they're just like i ate five pounds of granulated sugar and you're like, <laughs> Why? like it's my culture get lost <laughs> that was my experience anyway but yeah, so it says the candy is made by boiling maple syrup to about 234 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. It is best to use a candy thermometer. Yeah, no. Well, we never did that. We just got it boiling. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty much it. I remember there's a there's a term for it in Canada because uh, it's very common in Quebec. But I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, we got our comment by uh, Rachel. So Rachel said it was candy made out of maple sap and hardened. It was basically pure maple and the sugar crystals were really sharp. I sucked on a piece so long that the sugar shredded my tongue. Is, that what, thinking, Is that what you were talking about? I don't know, actually. I don't think so. 
Why do you do this to us, Michelle? Um, Why don't you just help? I, I don't know. Maple, <laughs> sugar, candy. She's cheating. She's This is not an open book test. This is life. I, I <laughs> yeah, maple leaf candy. Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking about the ones that look like a maple leaf? Yeah. Oh, that's what I thought she was initially talking about, too. Okay. With the candy that's shaped like a maple leaf that's flavored like maple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that basically was... just a piece of sugar. Yeah. That's, might... what I... <laughs> that's what I was that's what I was thinking as well. Okay. So I'm glad she cleared it up. This could have gotten really out of hand very mm -hmm. quickly if we hadn't gotten that cleared up. So Oh. It was in the shape of a maple leaf. Oh. It, okay, so yeah, she said it was in the shape of... So, now you're just confusing us. I thought you said... Originally, she said it was a candy made out of maple sap and hardened. Well, I mean... I also shaped into a maple leaf. Well, I think that the maple candies... They might just be maple syrup. I don't know. Keith Tomlin commented, I used to make my brother's lemon, in quotes, snow cones until my mom found out... That's actually a lie. I have to say that for legal reasons. <laughs> um, and Ray Brown said, so it's Canadian. Well, oddly enough, we ended up on, although sugar, eating sugar uh, maple taffy is not entirely Canadian. We used Massachusetts maple syrup when we did it in New Hampshire and sometimes Vermont, but mostly Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. So, and then of course, clearly Canadian. So uh, Rachel Rodolfi commented, yeah, hardened into the shape of a maple. Of a maple tree? Oh, she she corrected herself right after that. Maple leaf. She knew. She knew. She was like, he's going to pick on me instead of just saying, like, obviously we know what you mean. No, I would never do that. I would immediately jump at you and attack you. Because that's the kind of guy I am. I can't help it. I can't help it. So, uh, <laughs> let's see. Ray Brown said, ah, I see. Literally said, ah, and then I, and then see. So... How's your week been, Michelle? We've been talking about candy and snack foods and how much you don't like anything that brings people joy. Uh, especially, you especially hate things. <laughs> Sorry, Tim Chestnut commented, all your base are belong to us. It's one of my favorite things to say. Whenever confronted with like English, that is my favorite thing to say. All mm -hmm. your base are belong to us. Uh, Keith Tomlin commented, how can you get more Canadian than shaping maple sap into the shape of a maple leaf? I guess if it apologized to you when you opened it, like you ripped it open and went, sorry. And you're like, ah, this is very authentic. And then you ate it and it made your mouth bleed because uh, you don't know when to stop, kid. You don't know. I mean, have you ever been eating a candy cane and just gotten the tip, a tip stuck in your tongue, like a, like a little tiny tip? Like it was basically a, um, like a splinter from the candy cane. And, and had it hurt me or just it existed like that? It just stuck into your flesh, but it didn't necessarily hurt because it was no. so small and sharp. I no. have totally been eating a, uh, the thing and, and hear it crack and they go, ah, uh -huh, uh -huh, pull the little thing out of my tongue and then eat it. Because it was so small, though, it didn't like draw blood or anything. It just stuck right into the flesh of my tongue. Wow. So I'm just trying to help you understand. Keith Tomlin said a Christmas shank. I mean, when you're in the joint, you use whatever you can use. Yeah. So no, but that that was uh yeah, that's a real risk you run when you're like me and you eat like as many candy canes as you can get your hands on. You're you're gonna end up getting hurt or hurting those you love. You know? Yeah. 
but no, so I was asking about your week, Michelle. Oh, you, what have you been up to this week? Nothing. I just went to work. That's it. And then you just like sat like facing well, the wall. I mean, to be really fair, I do work <laughs> nine hours a day and I am out of my house for at least 11 hours. So like, there's not that much time. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, be a show off. You know, I once had a friend who worked 72 hours a week. He said he's saving his money for beautiful things. Boo, uh, hiss. I hate that song. <laughs> so that's what I always get to throw at you when you complain about working too much. You'd be like, remember when you wrote a song about how that's just an excuse? Remember? Remember? Yeah. But I also, that was about that it's not that working that much and, and not doing anything that you care about isn't helpful not necessarily that it's just an excuse but yeah. but you don't work 72 hours a week i know i just i know but like the whole it's only wednesday and i've worked sat sunday monday and tuesday so it's been well i mean that's if you're using the jewish calendar uh-oh we're demonetized uh, <laughs> but the uh, week starts on sunday okay Okay, so you wanted to start on Monday? Because then I really didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't know. But uh, no, I've been spending my week doing really tedious film work. Yeah. So I have nothing fun or exciting to say about it other than making movies is so glamorous. You too could sit in a chair for eight hours at a time just working on sound mixing and polishing an edit. And uh, like, it's what I, when we're done streaming, it's literally what I have to do. Like the moment we're done, I have to go mm -hmm. get another clearly Canadian and sit down and work on this. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm, I'm so I'm only a little frustrated because it's just, it, it start. I had technical problems to start and they mm -hmm. caused a lot of problems for me. Like, because then it was like, oh good. This isn't just boring. This is incredibly frustrating yeah so oh and david denier said but then you wind down with a pizza and steel lace dave and i watched a movie last night called steel lace from the 1990s it's about a woman who is raped and then in court although the movie makes no sense they say they got away with it but then in court she's a plaintiff so i guess it was a civil case i guess okay. the, i guess I guess the that Los Angeles County was like, oh, we don't prosecute rapists anymore. So you got to sue them yourself. Mm -hmm. but I, I think it's just overlook. I think they didn't think about that. Like, because when they said like we, because the jury found them not guilty, and I was like, that seems like a criminal trial. Also, the the head juror when he said we found them guilty or not guilty, he didn't say we found them not guilty. He said we found them not guilty. He said due to lack of sufficient evidence, we found them not guilty. I was like, so. Usually they don't have to explain themselves. Usually they just say what they thought. Well, I mean, maybe in this particular um, uh, multiverse or locale, maybe that's just like the only one where you have to explain and you have to write an essay about why. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that would be so good. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't make more people try to get out of jury duty if you made it, if you added homework to it. Yeah, but then, like, then it'd be like, well, why did you think that? And they have to come up with a good explanation. You better have a good explanation. It's at least 
five pages because you know trials are long so they should have lots of information to draw from oh yeah yeah so after the the criminals are found innocent mm -hmm. she decides to jump off of the building and kill herself out of out of sadness and her brother is there with her and he witnesses it so he does what any brother would do he uses his knowledge of advanced robotics to bring his sister back to life as a murderous android and a year and i think it was like five years later uh the the robot's ready so he sends her out and she's able to like disguise herself as different things and her weapons make no sense like she has a giant drill that comes out of her stomach and just punches through a guy's guts like uh that makes sense a, to me <laughs> there's a really funny part where the the, the uh author, the movie's kind of pretty damn goofy where the coroner is like is like well um if it wasn't the removal of seven primary organs that killed him, I would say it was probably the seven inches of spinal cord that was taken out. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then he looks to the cop and he's like, but if you want me to, I can work my magic and make it he choked on a chicken bone. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun movie, but it was really weird. And she kept like shape-shifting into these different people. Wow. It was really creepy and weird. Wow. It was fun though, but man, was it a strange ride. Steel and lace, first time ever on Blu-ray. Wait, I'm confused though. Like, was she was she kind of still like when she came back as an android? Like, was she okay with this? Because she killed herself, which means I she didn't quite understand what happened to her. Like she she has memories slowly coming back because uh -huh. her brother programmed her. But she starts to regain her consciousness as it goes, kind of like RoboCop, how she starts to remember herself more and more the longer she's out there murdering these dudes. Mm -hmm. And and really just murdering the hell of them. She lifts one guy up and puts his head into the blades of a helicopter. Wow. And it's gross. Like you hear the splats and everything. It's just, yeah. it's just, a, I mean, honestly, it's the kind of thing the whole family can enjoy. Yeah. Uh, Caitlin Gray commented on Facebook and said, just stopping by to say hi. So hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Michelle, say hi a little better than that. Hi. Keith Tomlin said, because the glove didn't fit, we had to acquit. <laughs> That's what the jury should have to say. Um, Tim Chestnut just said, that sounds oddly familiar. What was the title again? It was Steel and Lace. And apparently, I don't think I ever saw it, but apparently it was a staple of late night, like, cable like late night hmm. cinemax hbo it was very common it's a weird little movie i enjoyed it but it was strange uh it was so out there like that was the the thing that was blowing my mind it was like every time she did something robot robot to kill everybody it was just like what is happening so and the movie would like contradict itself like sometimes she'd have to like peel a mask off to reveal her like robot face underneath or her normal face but you know underneath a, a disguise but then <laughs> other times like a flash of light would like make it mostly fall off. But then one time she literally just changes her face in the blink of an eye. Maybe she, is it, is it possible? She's just getting better at doing it as she goes. Yes. Because uh, it's a neural net processor, a learning computer. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things in the Terminator uh, extended cut. In the original Terminator two, there's a throwaway line where Arnold's character says uh, he has a neural net processor, a learning computer. Skynet said it to be able to, you know, adapt to everything and da, da 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 da. Well, if you notice when he says that line, he's not on camera because they wrote that line after the fact. Oh. Originally, this is really cool. Originally, 
the scene was he says like you know i have a neural net processor a learning computer but skynet has set it to read only when you're on an away mission where you're disconnected from the network mm-hmm. and sarah connor says you know they don't want you doing any learning do they and he says correct <laughs> or they don't want you doing any thinking do they and he said correct so then john connor helps them with the help of the terminator he shows them like where the compartment is that has his microchip mm-hmm shut the terminator off remove the microchip which is the ultimate display that the terminator is clearly on john's side because he let john literally take his brain out yeah you know so he takes the chip out and he's going to change it to read write instead of read only mm-hmm. and then sarah Connor tries to slam a hammer down on the the chip and destroy it because she is positive the terminator is there to kill them but that he's infiltrating or that he'll turn and suddenly try to kill them or whatever She's positive that's going to happen. And John says, like, if you're going to, if I'm supposed to be this great military leader, how about you take some of my leadership advice for once? So she lets him fix the chip and puts it in. And that's why the next scene is, is uh, John showing him, like, that people keep their keys in the, like, the the sun visor. Mm-hmm. And he says, and he says to the Terminator, are we learning yet? Because he's been programmed <laughs> to learn now. Yeah. So I loved that because I thought it was really good because Sarah Connor literally says, like, you don't know how hard these things are to kill. We should kill it while we have this opportunity. Because mm-hmm. she remembers what happened in the first movie, obviously. And in the Sarah Connor Chronicles, there's a whole thing about how they have a Terminator. I forget her. Uh, Cameron, a female Terminator. Well, female-looking Terminator because they're, you know, they're Terminators. And when she gets, like, bashed into the head, she, like, reverts back to her original programming. So instead of seeing John Connor and recognizing, hey, that's John Connor, protect him, it's like, that's John Connor, an ultimate target of Skynet. Please kill him immediately. So stuff like that. And it sets up the, the fact that John Connor, and I'm nerding out about Terminator because that is what I do with my life. It turned out that John Connor learns how to become so formidable against the machines because he basically grows up around them. So he learns like mm-hmm. what makes them function, how to affect them, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, how to reprogram them, which is a major part of why like Terminator 2 happens because he reprograms a, a Terminator to be around him. So uh, mm-hmm. Tim Chestnut said this. Oh, wait, no, I already looked at that. Um, oh, Patricia says, hey, Patricia. Hey, you too. Patricia has been a long, long time listener of our show. Oh, thank you. Uh, ever talk in the Arnold voice, voice for funsies? I don't know what you mean. Ah. Michelle, do an Arnold voice, please. I, I don't know how. That was that was All it right. right there. No, I well now I'm just alone not doing an Arnold voice. Come and on. I can just start reading the comments. No. No, I can't. Okay, fine. Uh Tim Chestnut said, uh, I wouldn't have deleted that scene if I was Cameron simply because of how difficult it was to shoot. Yeah, like the way they show like it going down into a it's really cool, Michelle. You should you should check it out. Um and they said they had to have Linda Hamilton and her twin sister mirror each other's actions. Oh yeah, because there's a mirror. Yeah, that scene is incredible. There's a mirror. So on in the reflection, you see mm-hmm. like a, a head that like goes all the way in. Oh. But they were literally moving at the same pace with an actual arnold standing there so that you couldn't yeah it was really 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 cool um uh, linda hamilton had a twin sister who was how they did like the effects at the end where uh the t-1000 simulated her appearance uh, unfortunately linda hamilton's sister passed away last year i believe oh no um 
David DeNoyer said, yeah, but Terminator never shot a guy in the dick in close-up. That's true. In that way, RoboCop will always have it over Terminator because he shot a guy in the penis. So, uh, <laughs> Patricia said, I love it when Michelle says no. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's often. So, uh, and uh, Ray Brown said, Terminator Whisperer. That's John Connor, man. That's kind of the whole thing is that John Connor is kind of a, he's kind of a, what's the word? He's like on a, a whole other level than everybody else. So mm-hmm. he, he's big thing is valuing life, but it seems like if you follow the later Terminator movies, especially Sarah Connor Chronicles, which I love, you, you start to notice that one of the big things with Connor is he kind of values the life of the machines as well but only when they're sentient because okay. when, they're, when they're part of one giant machine that only exists to kill humanity, obviously what can you do with that? But when they're allowed to learn and develop, he, he, he values their existence and values their, their, you know, life. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, it does. It's like, do you remember that episode of Star Trek next generation where, uh, where Picard had to uh, defend that data was not a piece of property. I actually just saw that like last week. Yeah. yeah. Episode, it is a good episode. Yeah. And, and how Riker has to has to be the prosecutor basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, he has to like use things he knows about data against him even though he would he believes that data is sentient and deserves to be, you know, of his own mind and body. Yeah. I love that. Do you remember the episode? There's so many great moments on Star Trek with data. Do you remember the episode where Data made, built a daughter? Yes. Yeah. That's some. That's an episode, man. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's like it's like Data's not like the the you know he's not being well. He and his daughter in that one are not totally being treated like people. There's a great part where when he's introducing his daughter to I think it was to uh, Captain Picard, mm-hmm. I believe, or maybe it was Riker, but uh, and Picard said like I. You know, I was not made aware of this project and everything. Mm-hmm. And Data, yeah. like, I wasn't aware we had to contact. Uh, I wasn't aware that we had to consult with Starfleet before procreating. Yeah, he's right. He's right. Mm-hmm. They don't have to say like, "Hey, we're going to get pregnant." You know, they don't have to do that. So yeah, yeah. I I I feel terrible because I'm forgetting his daughter's name right now, and I'm um, going to get skewered. For- it's yeah. It's it's like a lol. Is that it? Oh, that sounds familiar. Now you're going to make me look bad because I got to look it up. Because if I don't know, I'll be so sad. Okay, come on. Find daughter. Yeah, lol. L-A-L. Lol. You were right. Good job. I guess. You did it. So Ray Brown commented and said, yeah, that episode raises really great questions sociology, uh, sociolo- sociologically. Wow, I got through that one. Uh, <laughs> and Keith Donald said, I wish I had veto power on people I know having kids. <laughs> uh, so that was one of my favorite things about Data. I also remember when I, when I found out that Data had been in Starfleet like 45 years at the time of the beginning of Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. He'd actually not climbed the ranks very quickly. He was actually kind of like slowly. And one of the reasons they suggest is that Starfleet thinks he's a great officer, but they're nervous about the idea of giving him command. Sure. Since he's not technically a living being. Mm-hmm. And they're worried that his decisions might be 
poor because of that, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dana named his daughter after laughing. Lol. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. That was a good one. <laughs> Tim Chestnut with that one. Uh, so, but no, that was, I've always loved data. I love data. I love data. Data kind of fills the Spock quotient, you know, where, mm-hmm. you know, it's all about learning how to be more human by yeah. seeing something that doesn't understand it, learn it. Yeah. So, yeah. What I didn't like about data. I mean, I not, it's not about data, but I didn't like what they did with him is he kept getting like, um, taken over by things. It was like, Oh, he's some guys living in data now or like. <laughs> This ancient alien has taken over Data. Like, leave him alone. Well, they did start to repeat themselves a little bit, especially during the writer strike episodes. Um, have I ever? I must have shown you Star Trek uh, TNG season eight on Twitter, right? I haven't. On Twitter. It's a Twitter account. Oh man, you're in for a treat. I don't think so, but I could be just forgetting something. So- so there's a star there's a uh a twitter account let me pull it up there's a twitter account and it's just uh synopses for episodes of tng from the unfilmed season eight. Oh no i i haven't read here in a while it looks like like look like alien Riker is a demon and trap him in an orb data and jordy decide to make a movie together it's terrible <laughs> like <laughs> it's stuff like that because if you read the descriptions of TNG episodes, it's always the first sentence is the A story and the second sentence is the B story. And sometimes the B story doesn't fit at all with the A story. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it'll be life and death on the A story and the B story will be something silly. Mm -hmm. Comparison. So, uh, like, here's one. A trapezoid challenges Picard to a race. Data and Jordy discover they've been sleeping in the same with the same hologram. Uh, a glowing orb tricks the crew into thinking it's cool, but is a dick to data when they're alone. <laughs> Riker's wife and son make a surprise visit. <laughs> uh, Picard wants racist aliens to stop being so damn racist. Riker accidentally sells data to a prostitute. <laughs> and a lot of them are data and Jordy being like little children. Mm-hmm. Wrestles with the ethical ramifications of altering a murderer's memories. Also, someone pooped in the holodeck and now it's ruined. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Um, (laughs) Raymond uh, commented, Picard became Borg. The first contact movie was fun watching the uh, original idea of Data actually feeling it. I did like that. Oh, we got a quick visit by the mummy and the monkey uh, jumping the shark slash goofy episodes. Hi, guys. Just stopping by. LL. <laughs> uh, if you guys like uh, horror movies and you like uh, watching live streams, I highly recommend you check out the mummy and the monkey. They do a live stream just about every Friday night. Uh, they're really, really cool. So uh, Tim said, I always wondered who cleaned the holodeck, especially after Barkley was done with it. <laughs> So, and a lot of these make jokes about Barkley too. Oh, um, let's see, you remember Barkley? I know you do because he's like he's like all of us uh, in stuck like because he's like he gets addicted to the hollow suite. He's afraid mm-hmm. to transport. He's like a more normal person. Uh, so let's see. I want to find another one. Come on, come on. <laughs> The Enterprise plunges saucer, saucer first into a temporal wave, turning everyone into babies. Will they turn back into adults by the episode's end? Yes. <laughs> and then the 
the next tweet is data becomes a baby too, which is explained through some complicated fake math. <laughs> it's worth it to see baby Jordy and data causing trouble. I I love these so much. I love these so much. Um, a subspace rumble disables Enterprise and blinds the crew. Data and Jordy's plan to build the perfect girlfriend backfires explosively. Oh. <laughs> uh, Roman centurions force Riker to fight a gorilla. There's no room for a side story here. The main plot is too epic. Also, it's a three-parter. <laughs> <laughs> All missions are put on hold until Worf locates his contact lens. The crew nervously waits in silence as he angrily crawls the corridors. <laughs> you see what I mean, though? Like, these are, these are so good. Mm -hmm. And these are from, like, 2014, so I remember reading these the first time. Uh, Picard's production of Macbeth becomes far too real. Having torn apart the warp core, Geordi now thinks the weird noise is coming from Data. <laughs> um, Riker cautiously dates a sexy sentient bomb. Picard drinks water wrong, awkwardly coughs for ten minutes in front of an angry Romulan. <laughs> it's not great. Like they're they're pretty good. Uh, Picard puts his life on the line to protect a sacred book. O'Brien's uncle shows up drunk and confused and keeps demanding to fight Quark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ain't no humor like Star Trek humor. Uh, Worf guides Picard on a perilous on Captain Safari. Geordi and Data are near death after stealing and eating an entire wedding cake. Uh, there... There's ones like it, it's just Barclay uh, does something like Barclay accidentally turns into a mattress. Barclay accidentally gets his foot stuck in a pumpkin. Like there were a bunch of those where that's the B stories of Barclay, like does something stupid. Yeah. Um, Spock visits the Enterprise to give Data a special gift. Geordi's myth that Spock never remembers who he is gets real pouty about it. <laughs> <laughs> Q imprisons Riker in Data's debut novel, The Werewolf Wolf. The tale of a wolf who's bitten by a werewolf based on a drawing by Jordy. <laughs> Troy guides a dying ensign through his final emotional journey. Data and Jordy are trapped on a conference table by a scary dog. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love these so much. <sighs> Picard must choose. Caulk the Enterprise and float it across the Tachyon River or attempt to ford it. Barkley gets Terry. <laughs> uh, Picard must choose to save one planet while ensuring the destruction of another. Worf threatens to kill himself over an expired coupon. He doesn't need coupons. So what do you need coupons for? There's one where it says like uh like uh Worf like Worf's head swells to twice its size. Claims only cowards had allergies or something like that. <laughs> uh, the crew is flung back to Earth circa 2010, a post ozone landscape. They use advanced technology to disguise themselves with hats. Beverly defends the sentient virus. Instead of dumping his alien girlfriend, Wes is hoping her life cycle turns her into a tree or something. Hmm. I'm sorry, I, I could read these all day. I need to. I need to. <laughs> And, oh, see, Patrick's right. Patrick Gunter just commented, you two are 
having way too much fun and he's right he's right okay just a couple more there's there's by the way there's one where it's like picard gets stuck in a turbo lift with a whatever and then it becomes picard gets stuck in a session turbo lift and it says picard and then it says picard gets stuck in a turbo lift and we have a clip show of all the great times picard's been stuck in a turbo lift <laughs> um, uh <laughs> clashes with aliens who own the copyright to their slaves dna Worf is starting to actually believe he has a girlfriend in canada <laughs> picard suspects a terraforming company is instigating planetary wars data and geordi have to spray a dolphin every 30 minutes or it'll die <laughs> <laughs> A holodeck error populates the Enterprise with Ice Age beasts. Barkley's trapped in the dividing hallway as the saucer section separates. Oh no! Q hosts a temporal Q reunion on the Enterprise, invites all his past selves. Worf vows to crush whoever started the Worf has a tail rumor. <laughs> West gets his amber collected club trapped in amber picard's end of episode speech segues into a meandering rant about turbo lift etiquette uh, picard must debate a copy of himself to the death jordy and data really want to find their snake before anyone notices it's gone Riker infiltrates a saboteur cult in the neutral zone Worf demands an honorable death when the, the crew learns his middle name is ashley Aww. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, a nymphomaniac worm controls right mind and body to seduce the Enterprise's female crew. Nobody notices. It eventually dies of old age. <laughs> uh, Troy's secret agent past catches up with her. It's clear to the rest of the crew that Jordy and Data are a panda in their quarters. <laughs> Worf unwillingly participates in his niece's coming-of-age human hunt. Riker has misplaced his chest comb, and it's getting bad. <laughs> Menacing professors from a university planet question Picard's de dedication to science. Barkley gets his foot stuck in a pumpkin. <laughs> Emotional awareness threatens the collective after the Borg assimilate Troy. Jordy and Data elaborate. Jordan and Data's, el Data's elaborate musical numbers upset Worf. Aww. I like that they're elaborate. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. Picard must relax for a week while his heart, his new heart, is delivered. Jordy, Jordy and Worf contract a, a rare screaming disease. It's all in caps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Wes interrupts an alien ball game, igniting a forever war. Data's new vanity muscle arms don't fit in his uniform. Keeps bonking into Jordy. <laughs> oh, okay. I should stop. I'm just... Uh, it's too good. Uh, an alien boy pretends Data is his science fair project to hide him from military forces. Riker's sonic, sonic shower is set to silky jazz. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Patrick said, just want to see what this was like later. Good to see you, Patrick. Glad you could pop in. Uh, and Lindsay commented, if e if ever, if Eve wore a fig leaf, what did Adam wear besides wearing a hole in Eve's fig leaf? Oh God. I, <laughs> I get that one. 
Um, okay, I gotta stop, but I don't want to. I'm just gonna be honest. I understand. Sometimes we have to not do things that we love. Worf is framed for the murder of a depraved Klingon poet. Data and Jordy panic after trapping a hornet under a cup. <laughs> you have to take a piece of paper towel and slide it under the cup. <laughs> Worf visits his infuriatingly hippie grandparents. Data and Jordy nan Data and Jordy's nanny teaches them that ship chores can be fun when you sing a merry song. <sighs> Stuck in a hollow in a hollow dance-off movie, Data and Jordy must boogie their way to freedom. Data's astonishing pop locking clocks in at 500 pops per lock. Uh, all right, I got I got we got to shut this off. Um but hold on. Picard rescues his survival training class after their teacher is eaten. Barkley decompresses deck 8 while trying to hang a photo of a car. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it up a car? <laughs> okay, Lindsay, I don't know what Lindsay means, but I'm going to read this. If I have five different bags of varying potato chip flavors, then why does my wife insist that I can only have one bag open at a time? Um, is this a riddle? Like, you're supposed to use the one up first. So, like, you... So the others stay fresh? Because if you open them all at the same time, they won't be fresh anymore. You heard, you heard it here first, people. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, last one. Wes accidentally clones his dad while trying to grow backup organs. Jordy and Data swipe one of Riker's cigarettes. It makes them sick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, other highlights that I've remembered for years and years were one of them was like Data and Jordy have a fight, decide to split their quarters with Tate. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sorry. I, I th Those kill me because I'm such a big Star Trek fan. And they do have like, a, like the reason they're so funny is because clearly somebody spent a lot of time learning about Star Trek to make these, these, this level of jokes about mm -hmm. it. So. Uh, let's check the doggo cam. I'm guessing, yeah, he has not moved much, but it is darker now. It is, yeah. So, good dog. Uh, oh, Lindsay just commented, uh, why isn't there a reincarnation breakfast bar offered with the carnation option? I mean, I wouldn't mind a reincarnation instant breakfast instead of just a carnation instant breakfast. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, TNG season eight is probably in my top twitters right next to Sad Paul Giamatti. Have I have I made you read Sad Paul Giamatti? I don't think so. I shouldn't bring up Sad Paul Giamatti because I, you know who Paul Giamatti is? I don't know. The actor, you see him right there in the profile. He's picture. all tiny. That's your fault. Hold on, let me see if I can. It's okay. Time. I could figure it out. There we go. Okay. There we go. Yeah. So the idea is that Paul Giamatti just says like really sad things. Like <laughs> life would be significantly more pleasant if the government gave out free bags. Coughing until I pass out and bang my head against the wall. Aww. If I ever win the lottery, I'm going to design my house to look like the inside of a Burger King. Staying in bed for the next few months. Does anyone know a good store where I can buy a purpose for my life? Aww. 
And then he like replies to like Uber Eats. Can you please add an antidepressant category for those of us browsing menus at 4 a.m.? <laughs> My entire plan for financial security is based around me winning the lottery at some point. <laughs> Buying a McDonald's gift card. Uh-uh. It's amazing how much money you can save if you only eat cat food. <laughs> he had one more. Oh, sorry, what were you going to say? It's not that inexpensive. <laughs> There's one <coughs> from years ago where he said something like, uh, uh, like the bus driver won't stop closing the door on my forehead that I thought was really funny. Oh, look, he, he tweeted at KFC. Do you guys offer any kind of discount for people who have a Colonel Sanders tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, wearing a winter coat inside because the landlord won't turn on the heat. My apartment looks like the aftermath of a civil war between alcoholics and people who really like pizza. Uh, ordering KFC and asking the delivery guy for financial help. <laughs> Browse, uh, throwing all my books in the garbage. My landlord keeps sneaking into my apartment when I'm not home and selling my things on the internet. Wendy's, do you guys have any locations where I can stay overnight? <laughs> Ordering a meatball sub on the internet. Uh, all my plants are going to die again. <laughs> Buying my groceries at Denny's. <laughs> oh, okay. There was one that he, he said years ago that was like, that was just like, okay, an arm full of burgers and it's straight to bed. And that one made me laugh like really, really hard. Um, see, I, I held back on that one. I'm not still reading it. Uh, David Durst said, oh no, not sad Paul Giamatti. <laughs> And then Keith Tomlin replied, I love Sad Paul. And then, oh, and then Rachel even commented, Michelle would love Sad Paul Giamatti, LOL. And then Tim Chestnut, I stepped away for a few moments, so apologies if you already brought this up. Nihilist Arby's is great. I have read a little bit of Nihilist Arby's. And I do know about that one. But my Twitter doesn't have, like, people talking on it. It's just pictures, picture Twitter. So it's Instagram. Yeah, except less bad, in my opinion. <laughs> he, well, and he, he tweeted this picture. was like, I think my apartment's really coming together. It's, it's a frame. <laughs> with the frame paper still in it. Yeah. <laughs> he had one where he was like, who needs a couch when I have all these discarded rags? That, like, stuck with me forever. Um. Sitting in front of my oven and pretending I have a fireplace. Tipping the pizza guy three cigarettes. Turning up the radio so I don't hear my car's engine problems. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to stop after this one. Hiding empty Doritos bags inside another empty Doritos bag so things don't look as bad as they really are. Oh. (laughs) Oh. Oh, man. So before we get out of here, because unfortunately I do have to do my tedious work. Um, yeah, I got to see what my, why work is messaging me. I'm scared. Cares. You're busy working right now. You're working for the web. Yeah, well, I'm not looking right now. I'm just <laughs> concerned. I want to say that um, uh, one of the reasons I'm on such a rigid schedule right now is because uh, not next week, but the week after next, I will be... Uh, going out of town so uh i think it's the week after it doesn't matter soon there will yeah. not, there will not be an episode at the beginning of february i believe it'll be 
because I will be in Michigan staying in a cabin on a writing retreat because it's time after all of the, you know, the, the difficulties and challenges, it's time to finally finish the brand new draft of babysitter massacre two and start producing it. So, yeah. Unfortunately, working at home can be really challenging because there have so many things to worry about like shipping packages and doing the podcasts and you know, it just, there's so many distractions here. So I'm going to go out of town and I'm going to stay there for a week and I'm going to work on a script like crazy. And I'm really looking forward to it because it's going to be really cold. Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited about it. So I want to mention it to everybody. So you're not surprised in a couple weeks when we're not here. It's because uh, <clears throat> since we started doing it live, if I'm going to be gone or Michelle's going to be gone, we can't really like do a bank show mm-hmm. because it's for the live stream. So anyway, but I'm excited about that. Michelle, what exciting things do you have coming up? Not nothing. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for playing anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, so <clears throat> I guess that's, uh, I guess we're going to wrap it up for today. Uh, so thank you everybody who hung out and uh, chatted with us. I appreciate it a whole lot. And uh, we'll, I think we'll probably see you all next Wednesday because we'll be back here probably Wednesday around two 30 again. So yeah. Uh, Michelle say something really poignant and important and interesting before we leave. I don't, I don't want to, um, there's nothing good happening at all. Okay. Fair enough. Well, we'll leave you on that note. So catch you guys later. Thanks for listening. You can email us at thisshowisawkward at gmail.com or go to awkwardshow.com or whatever. See you next time.